Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Redemption Hill podcast. We are a community of people learning the way of Jesus to bless our city of Boise, Idaho, and beyond. Redemption Hill is a unique place. We are a collective of micro churches that do life together throughout the week and gather on Sundays to grow, worship, and celebrate what God is doing in our city. You are invited to join us Sundays at 9 a.m. at Discovery Church in Boise, where you can find the community you need in any season of your life. More details can be found at redemptionboise.org. Up next is the teaching segment from this week's Sunday Gathering. Afterwards, stay tuned for more information on how to get connected at Redemption Hill. Come on down. Got it? Okay, there we go. And try something a little new today. I'm starting my, my timer even. There we go. All right, if you're in the lobby, come on in. Uh, we are on our last week of our Family on Mission series, La Familia, and I think it's... I think it's been really rich in terms of like, it, we've been trying to create some training space because I know a lot of you, as we've talked, micro church has been tough to figure out how to live into these rhythms, the rhythms of family on mission. The What does it mean to take that role of spiritual parent? And what does it mean to live in the predictable patterns of community, loving each other that way? And then also in, in, in a really important way, what does it mean to live into our missional purpose and how do we discover that? And my hope is that after this sermon series that you feel less anxiety about it and you feel more excitement about it. And I think the last two weeks, Andrew and Jesse have done a great job at giving a picture of how do, how do we take the light and easy yoke of Jesus and live out what he's called us to. So why are, what, I, I don't know if you guys start this way with everything, but every everything that I step into, I'm wondering, okay, what is what is the reason this thing's happening so that I know my part in it? And that's that's what I want to start with today is like, what is, why are we, why did God create this little Redemption Hill thing in the last six years? Why did he put us in this building in Discovery and on, on the bench at this time? Why are we in this neighborhood and in this city because that's not by accident. God has us here for a particular purpose. It's not just, um, oh, that's not what I meant to do. There we go. It's two fingers. Okay. So why is Redemption Hill here? Here's, here's the big picture is to join in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in their work of kingdom expansion on earth, particularly in the city of Boise and especially those who live in and around the bench. And I, I want to focus in on the idea of kingdom expansion because kingdom expansion isn't about geography. Because who belongs to a kingdom is not determined by where you live. It is determined by the loyalty that you hold. And so what it means to see the kingdom of God expand is to see lives transformed and redeemed. To see people raise their hand and say, I belong to the king. My loyalty is to him. And wherever I stand, like what Matt said a few weeks ago, Matt Michalowski, uh, he, he was telling that story of Brian Sanders. He said, within this circle, right here, this is the kingdom of God. Because everybody in this circle has given complete fealty, complete loyalty to the king of all creation. And so God's kingdom has come in power where I exist and where I submit myself to Christ. And the invitation that I have for all of us is how can we see that expand by 
inviting people to experience and live into the kingdom that God's called us to. So what does that look like? Well, we're here to live as God's covenant family and to serve as God's kingdom representatives. Um, this is, uh, we, we've talked a lot about these terms, but I, I really want to focus on covenant family because the work of mission is not the work of a, of a disconnected group of people that are part of an organization or a company, but we have joined into his family through the cutting of a covenant. We have said, I belong to you and you belong to me and we are family. There is nothing that can change that reality. Once we've been adopted into God's family, there's nothing that can tear us away from his love. And so now we've been enjoined to participate in his work, living as representatives of his kingdom. And so as a family, that's what we do. And I, I, I love... I love talking about mission because I think that it's our lives without a part of something larger is just activity to keep us busy for the 70 years we're here. That's what our work is. That's what our play is. That's what our family is. If there's nothing beyond this reality that we're experiencing, then all of this is just a, it's like handing your kid an iPad and saying, give me a few minutes. That's what our work is. If it's not endued with meaning that goes beyond what we're living right now. And that's why God says, I have a plan for you. You're not just here to wait out your days, but like God is saying, you have meaning to your life that will last beyond this reality. The people that you will impact, the kingdom that you'll bring when you bring his presence as representatives it's going to have a lasting impact that lasts beyond this life and even into the next life. Um, what we see when we live into the call of mission is that it creates these deep, beautiful friendships with one another as we participate in God's mission. But also, when we participate in God's mission in the world and we lean into the relationships of the persons of peace in our life, it creates these lifelong interconnected relationships that become the village, the, the seedbed of our community. And it grows up as we, as we tend to the relationships God calls to. So like living as a part of God's mission and as a covenant member of his family and bringing the kingdom of God doesn't just affect your life, but it actually brings a taste and a foretaste of this beautiful kingdom life that God wants to see, the sort of shalom, the flourishing of his people. And if God is, is just lovesick, overwhelmed with concern for the people in this world that are far from him, then I, I should and I do feel a deep concern for the world around me. And that's why mission is so important is I'm not just a victim of a world that is far from God and has, has no chance, but God says, no, they're actually, the kingdom of God is advancing. The church itself is being built by God's Holy Spirit. And our work is to participate, to take hold of our agency as a part of God's kingdom work. Um, a few years ago, we went to this awful kids holiday thing at the fairgrounds. I don't know if you've ever been to this thing. It's basically in the expo building. They just put up some, some bouncy houses and there's 4,000 children without 
any supervision at all. And we, we went to this thing because we were just desperate to get out of our houses in the winter. And while we were there, we lost Theo. Like just, he was, he was four at the time and it was just gone, just vanished. And I, like we had, I think we had just had Winnie. She was in um, a stroller and we're just like dying, trying to keep everybody around. And then we just lose Theo and we're like, oh man, well, at least we have 75% of our kids still. No, no, that's not, that's not what I felt. I felt immediately this deep panic that 25% of the kids that God had entrusted to me, I had lost. I felt a deep panic and there was, you know, we knew a few people who were there with their kids and one of them saw me and saw the panic on my face and said, is everything okay? And I go, no, no, I, I lost Theo. And he goes, do you have a picture of him? And I go, yeah, I have a picture of him. He, he, he says, text it to me. I'm going to go around. I'm going to find Theo for you because he's precious to you. And then the next 10 minutes of just panic, we ran around trying to find Theo. And eventually he was, he was in the jump house that we had just been at, you know, like, like he was there the whole time. We just couldn't see him because he's a, you know, this tall and has brown hair. But I think that our, the reason we care about mission, the reason we care about mission is because we see our father and he's lovesick for his lost kids. And we want to participate in helping them be found and, and join in with what God's up to. That's why we care about mission is it's not, it's not unimportant. This is ultimate sort of reality. And as representatives of the family business, our family business is the work of redemption and restoration. The sort of redemption stories that God is, is birthing in our lives, they bring hope to the world around us. And I'm a redemption story. God took me from the brokenness of my life, made me a part of his family, and then transformed me into a kingdom person. That was only by his grace and by his love. And my story is, a, is good news to the world around me because I'm not that 19-year-old kid who was ruining my life and the people's lives around me. God transformed me. And your story is the same. Mission is us telling the story. And so as we've been talking about it, there's, there's kind of three things that we want to emulate and imitate when we do the work of the kingdom, and it's the words of Jesus. We're gonna, we're gonna say the things that Jesus said. Um, what, what Matthew says is that Jesus told them, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that I told you. All the words that I said to you, grab hold of those. So we think that the words of Jesus are really important. And we also think that the way the works of Jesus are really important, like what he actually does, which is bring healing to the world around him. But what we're talking about here primarily is that the ways of Jesus, how he did it is really important. And that's why family on mission is not optional. Living in community that's participating in the kingdom work of God is not optional because this was the way that Jesus did it. And it's the way that he told his disciples to do it. And it's the way that the church has made an impact in the world from the beginning of time till now. It's in these families on mission, living together on purpose. And so the ways of Jesus are very, very important. Um, and it's something that we've forgotten that is just vital. And it's, it's really good news. It's really good news because you don't have to figure out how to be God's people on your own. You're not on an island just trying to figure it out out there. This is an invitation to, to watch and to imitate 
what Christ is doing in everything. And so when we're unsure of what to do, instead of saying, gosh, I've got to make this up in the 21st century, 2,000 years removed from Christ. No, we actually go back and we just pull up what Jesus did. And we ask, what does that look like today? And we do the same things in the same way. And we see the same results when we listen to the Father, do what he says, lived by the power of the Holy Spirit, speak the words of Jesus, do the works of Jesus, and do it in the way of Jesus, the kingdom of God comes to life. That, that should feel like a light and easy sort of burden because it's not about you creating something. It's not about you making up a way to be. We receive it from Christ, and that's, that's what we're going to do. So how do we do this Jesus on mission thing? Well, we, we've talked about this. We've talked about what, what does it mean? Who, who should we be reaching out to? How should we be living on mission? Well, we look around and we say, who are the persons of peace in our life? Jesus wants to look for these persons of peace, so people who like us. Um, if people don't like you, they're probably not going to listen to you, okay? I don't know if you realize that, but if they look at you and they're repulsed by you, they're probably not the people that you're going to reach, okay? And that's okay. Not everybody has to like you. Not everybody has to be your person. So when you look around and you're wondering, who's God called me to? Well, it's probably the people that look at you and go, you know what? I like something about that person. And all of you have people who like you, strange enough. All of us have someone who's kind of drawn to our weird, quirky way of being people. And so we look around and say, who likes us? We, we ask, well, who actually listens to what we say? Because if if we listen to them and they don't listen to us, then it's going to be hard for us to see the sort of reciprocal relationship where the kingdom of God can work its way in. It's the people who welcome us, welcome us into their home. Now, this is a reversal that I think is really important that we talk a lot about, is that not only do we offer hospitality to the world around us, but we receive hospitality as a way to bring the kingdom of God into other people's households. Okay, so instead of saying, come to me and join in my household and experience God in my house, what God says is when you go on mission, which is someone who's sent, then you go into their home. And so anytime someone gives you a dinner invitation, figure out a way to say yes, because that's them inviting you into their home. They, they're saying, we are your people of peace. We want connection with you. We want to be a part of your life. And lastly, it's the people who serve us. And this isn't like people who like serve us hand and feet, but it's it's people who come alongside of us and participate in our lives. And so the way that we talk about this is like Jesus with the woman at the well. Did Jesus offer her anything? No. He asked her to fetch him some water from the well because he had nothing. And this is a key kingdom principle. When we bring our needs to the world and be humbled by our place, then the kingdom of God can advance through us taking on the humility of Christ. It's really important. So we, we talked about that. Let's see. I'm, I, I did this new uh, thing, and I'm still trying to figure out how it works. Okay. Uh, and then we talked about what does it look like to be an ex a healthy extended family on mission? We talked about how that includes spiritual parents and predictable patterns. And we talked about how that has a missional purpose. And, and what we say is that this is what we call micro church, which is a simple church, a radical minimum ecclesiology of up, in, and out that lives in covenant commitment to one another. 
Okay, so that's what it takes to be family on mission is have these rhythms of connection with the Father, formation in Christ, and participation in his mission in the world. And then covenant community where we are committed to one another for an extended period of time saying we're going to live life together. We're going to share our lives. I think a great example of this is what Jesse and her team have been building at Wonder School. Um, they have a team of leaders with her and Val and Christina and Vanessa who are followers of Jesus, who are participating in God's mission and leading a family on mission there. And they have these staff who are a part of the work, but are people of peace who have invited them into their lives and serve alongside of them. And they have the families of the kids at Wonder School, which are the, the mission. It is, that is the, the seedbed of hospitality that they receive and give. And what they're seeing is the kingdom of God is coming as they mix it up and share their lives together. That's a, that's a functioning micro church is people who have these, these rhythms of up, in and out, formation or connection with the Father, formation in the way of Jesus and missional purpose. So let's, let's do a quick double click into each of these spiritual, spiritual parents, healthy spiritual parents. They're people who they take on the call to be a part of the mission by leading and caring for others. And those are people who have spiritual depth, people who are submitted to God and people who sacrifice for the family. Now, this is kind of an inverted triangle from the, the modern leadership of the church that says spiritual parents are people with positions of authority who direct other people. That's not what we're talking about here. A healthy spiritual parent is deeply formed in connection with the Father. They're completely submitted to God or as much as they are able, submitted to God in their lives to lead in the way of Jesus and then they sacrifice themselves for the sake of the family. That's what parents do. If you have a spiritual leader who doesn't sacrifice themselves on behalf of the family, but rather demands that the family sacrifice for them, that's an unhealthy spiritual family. It's an unhealthy spiritual parent. So the type of leadership that we do is different as we follow in the way of Jesus. And we see that in 1 Corinthians 4.15, even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father, for I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. And this is Paul reminding uh, the people in Corinth that he was the one who taught them the way of Jesus and that he, he, he gave everything to go to Corinth and to spend time there and to teach them the ways of Jesus. And so he's leaning on the authority that he gets from his sacrifice to remind them of what it means to follow in the way of Jesus. And that's what it looks like in our micro church and in our, in our um, households of faith and in our discipleship huddles is that we lean on a relationship to see transformation rather than leaning on authority or position to make you do something. There is no, um, you should not feel any coercive or shame-filled, um, like in, no, nobody should come to you and use coercion and shame to get you to do something in the kingdom of God. That's not the way God works. That's not the way Jesus worked. And so when, and whenever you see those things, you can go, there's something wrong here. If they have to use shame, then they're not living in the authority of the kingdom. They're doing their own thing. If they have to use coercion or their authority and position, then it's, it's out of place. 
And what I think is that many of you are really ready to step into this role as spiritual parents. I, I think that what we've seen here is that God has brought together a bunch of people who have spent a lot of time in their lives being formed in the way of Jesus and prepared for a ministry of leadership and of spiritual parenting. And I want to challenge you to take hold of what God has brought you to and find people who will help you grow into what you're looking for. Um, this isn't the sort of codependent parenting where like as spiritual parents, you don't give kids their agency or value their voices, but this is the sort of leadership that's a coaching kind of parent that's, that helps people be parented by God. And so as a spiritual parent, your work is not to be their parent. Your work is to bring them before the Father and allow Him to be the answers to what they're looking for. Um, and, and I want to challenge some of you. I think in this next season, you're going to be deeply needed as God brings more and more people who need your spiritual parenting. And all the things that God has entrusted to you, he's going to challenge you to entrust to faithful men and women who will be able to teach others also, like Paul says in 2 Timothy. And so I want to challenge you it's, and, and invite you to say, step into your God-given spiritual authority through the work of service and mission. And start asking, who are these people of peace that God is bringing into your life and that you need to step into this new role of spiritual parent? I'm watching it happen um, with Ernie Gonzalez and Gary Martin. They've both been in these um, discipleship huddles for the last two plus years. And they're both now saying, okay, we think that God has called us. And now we're ready to step into this new role of spiritual parent and leading their own huddle. And like that's a that's a big step of saying God has prepared me. I am ready. I'm going to take hold of it. And and some of you need to hang out with them because they're you guys are launching pretty soon, right, Gary? Yeah. Yeah. So great. So they got a group together. If if you're thinking, gosh, this is the time, they're they're getting a group together to start that. So I want to celebrate that because I think those are important moments. Um, when we talk about predictable patterns, we talk about okay, a healthy family works in a way where the kids feel safe because they know what to expect. And this is something like, I have to say, this is a place where I have to grow in both as a leader here and with my own family because predictable patterns are stifling to me, but I know that it's loving to my kids. And so what we're trying to create is these predictable patterns that communicate love to them saying, I have thoughtfully cared for you by creating a predictable pattern of gathering together. Um, it disciplines us. Because when we have a predictable pattern, we have to decide each week, am I going to step into this community and this covenant that I've committed to or not? It tells you where you're at. And it also gives you freedom. When you have predictable patterns, you're free to break out of the pattern. But when you don't have predictable patterns, you have no freedom because it's chaos. And so a part of the kingdom of God is really leaning into those predictable patterns. We see that in Acts chapter 19, verses 8 through 10. Then Paul went to the synagogue and he preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. So Paul left the synagogue and he took the believers with him. And then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for the next two years so that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. This is, I love this verse because it's, Paul was at the synagogue with the people who are God-fearers. 
these Greeks who wanted to know, or these Jews who were living in the diaspora away from Jerusalem. And these were people who knew the word of God. And he went there to try to teach them, this is this is the fulfillment of the word of God coming in the person of Christ. And they rejected him because it was different. It was new. And so, G- and so Paul said, hey, let's gather the believers. And we're going to go down to the hall of Tyrannus, which was it was a civic space, a third space in this, in like basically city hall in the, in the open agora of the city. And he said, we're going to meet here every day, come at 7 a.m. You know, whenever the sun comes up, I don't know how they did time back then. Whenever your sundial is at, oh, I don't know what they did, but we're going to meet every day. And for two years, they had this pattern of gathering and hearing from Paul what it meant to follow the way of Jesus. And that's what it takes to be formed is regular patterns, predictable patterns of gathering. And doing it for a couple hours a week takes a lot longer than doing it on a daily basis or sharing our lives together. That's why the family on mission is really important because when we rub shoulders and when we um, we do life together, when we eat meals together, all of that is the kind of, uh, it's it's the fertile ground upon which spiritual formation happens. And so that's why that's why Paul did it that way. That's why Jesus did it that way. All right. Um oh, I there's a story I want to tell you. Malia has worked at the children's hospital for I don't know, 15 of the last 20 years. And um, in this season that she's worked at the, the specialty clinic that she's in, um, she works Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And Fridays, uh, they have a lighter schedule because of their, their staffing structure. So they finish at like 2 or 3 o'clock with seeing patients. And then they're basically just writing reports for the rest of the day, just trying to remember what happened in each of their, um, in each of their visits with their patients. And Malia sits there on Fridays and she has two nurses and another provider that sit there and they all are just kind of in this bullpen. And every Friday afternoon while they're doing all all of their paperwork, it's become this predictable pattern of transformational conversations with her friends that she loves. These are the people that she cares for and loves and prays for. And because she's there every Friday and because they have a little bit of space and time together, that becomes a predictable pattern of them doing sharing hard things, crying together, praying for one another. Even the ones who aren't believers are joining into this little community that God God has created on Friday afternoons in their little clinic. It doesn't have to be anything special, but just regularly being in the same place. Maybe the first week, you tell a funny story. Maybe the second week, you share a little bit about something hard in your life. And maybe the third week, you've been thinking about all week and you're like, I really need to say that. And because there's a predictable pattern of gathering, you show up ready to share. That's the power of the predictable pattern is that I have a context to bring my life to. And so we, we want to do that in our, in our micro church as well as to create those predictable patterns together. And I got to say, that's a, that's a place where we have, we have really struggled, um, with predictable patterns in our micro church. For lots of reasons, but I think that that's the covenant that we need to cut with one another is to commit to being together and to doing those things. Um, we, we've talked a lot about missional purpose, the words of Jesus, the ways of Jesus, and the work of Jesus. And um, I, I don't want to hit this again too hard, but God uses all of these things to see the kingdom advance 
And each of us have different roles to play when we talk about the words of Jesus, the ways of Jesus, and the works of Jesus. Some of you are really drawn to clearly executing and making sure people understand what the Word of God says. I'm looking at you, Kyle. You love that. That's you. You're a teacher. That's how you've been made. Some of you are like, that's great, but I want to be out there mixing it up with the poor people in our city, and I'm going to bring justice to those who are downtrodden. That's your passion. And some of you are like, you know what? That's great, but I want to make sure that we actually do it in a way that people are loved and cared for, and I'm going to do it the way of Jesus. And God has given us apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers as a gift to the church for this shared work. So you don't have to be everything. You don't have to be the greatest teacher. You don't have to be the greatest disciple. You don't have to be the greatest missionary ever. But what you got to do is you got to find the place that God has uniquely gifted you and do your part so that together we are becoming those things. We need to pursue it all as a community as God gives us grace. And so hopefully that eases your burden of feeling like you've got to be everything to everybody around you. Um, I have one of my neighbors uh, we have been pouring into this friendship since we moved into the neighborhood uh, six years ago, a little over six years ago, we moved into our neighborhood. And at first they were, they were pretty skittish. They, um, they grew up in a different religion and are pretty skeptical of religious people. And so it, it took us about five years. And then I got, in, we got invited to their, their birthday party. That was a party. And I think that like they were, as we were leaving the party, they're like, are you okay? Like they wanted to make sure that we were okay, that we had been offered like pot four times at this party. I'm like, no, it's fine. It's just like college. And, um, <laughs> but this is like, that's, that's their world. And we have, all we've done is just like love them and share our lives with them. We go to their birthday parties. Anytime they invite us over to their house, we go to their house. Um, we have invited them in to do things with us. We invited them to sports and arts camp because they live next door to the school and they didn't come to it, but then the, after the first night, their daughter saw that it was happening and begged them to go. <laughs> and so they, they asked if they could bring their kid for the last two days of sports arts camp, and they brought them. And we have just been cultivating this friendship and this relationship. And she's had, a, she lost a parent, and like it's been a really a tragic moment in her life. And a week ago, um, they took Theo to one of their kids' birthday parties. And when they came back, we just asked, how are you doing? And she was at our, our doorway crying for 15 minutes, telling us about her mom that she had lost. And it was just this sacred space that had been created through our friendship where we got to be this privileged place of caring for them and loving them and hugging them and just like being with them in their sorrow. And I invited her to do some work for one of my companies. And while we were there, I asked her how she's doing and she just fell apart and started crying again. And so in, in the parking lot of this little strip mall that we're working on, um, I asked her, can I, can I pray for you? I know this is weird, but just can I like, can I pray for you and pray for your mom a blessing? And she goes, yeah. And so I gave her a hug. And I prayed a blessing over her of God's peace and presence in this moment. And the kingdom of God started to fill up her life because God had been preparing through friendship and through our commitment to the space and through our love for them. 
And these things happen because over time we commit to being a part of God's family and seeing his kingdom come. I don't have any power to make any of those things happen, but I want to be available when they do. We all know Matthew 28, 19 and 20. We're not just to teach. We're not just a disciple. And we're not just to baptize, but we're supposed to do all three. So we want to see the way, the word, and the works of Jesus come to life. All right. And lastly, we talked about what what's the whole picture of families on mission. It's spiritual parents, predictable patterns, and missional purpose. That's how we do microchurch. Okay. Um, let's see. we got time for a couple more stories, right? You guys like stories? All right. Um, I, I've been trying to think of, like, how can, how can we embody what we're talking about? The story I just told you, what, what, I want, what I want you to see there is that long-term faithful presence yields opportunities for the kingdom. It's not one-off, flash-in-the-pan events that creates opportunity. It's faithful presence over time. So don't discount belonging and staying. Uh, I read a book a few years called Staying is the New Going. Because when, when the whole world is constantly moving and you stay put, you become something to grab hold of in a world that is always moving. And, and one, of the, one of the things that we thought about as we were, as we were moving into our neighborhood is we, we see ourselves as the neighborhood priests. That God has given us a parish of Westmoreland neighborhood and the West Bench there. And that is the parish, and we are the priests where we bring with us a mediating presence between God and humanity by showing up and being present there. Um, And we see Redemption Hill as kind of our cathedral. We gather together for special stuff and to celebrate all that's happening out there. But we want to do that, though. Um, Over this last year, I have been inviting um, some of my neighborhood friends, and that's some of you in this room. Um, We have whiskey on my back patio with dads from our neighborhood. It's a pretty simple formula. Whiskey, dads, back patio. But there's something magic that happens in that space that it's just like the dads in our neighborhood, we're hanging out together. I think the first one we like watched a Sunday night football game or a Monday night football game while we're together. And um, my back door neighbor, um, I went to college with him and he was a part of a campus ministry that I was a part of. And he has basically walked away from a sort of organized religion and he really likes me and we're, we're dear friends, but he's got all this anxiety about my professional role as a leader of a community of faith. But in that space, what there's this incredible thing that happened where he was feeling all this anxiety about where everybody was at with all this stuff. And he was, He was so worried that this was like a spiritual project, that he was a spiritual project to me and to my friends from the neighborhood. And what happened was Joe, who's um, a part of Redemption Hill, was there. And he's like, bro, you don't got to worry about that stuff. That's not what's happening here. We're literally just dads having whiskey on our patio and creating friendships. And what happened was, as Joe and I are just partnering to be God's presence in a place and create deep friendships with our neighbors. It opened up into this beautiful conversation about people's spiritual backgrounds that has been the kind of the beginning of each of these spiritual conversations with five of our neighbors. 
And what I, what I want you to take from that is that you love people. They're never projects. They, they are not something to be won over. They are people to be loved and cared for that will themselves experience God and join in his family because they've been loved and cared for, not because I tricked them into figuring out God. It's the loving, faithful presence that, that works. So love people, not projects, and do it with friends because it's way more fun. So live on mission with people who are around you. Do it together because you enjoy each other. Um, we have we have these friends who we've done sports with for the last four or five years in Elsie's class. And it's a, it's a lesbian couple. And they have become our dear friends um, because we care about them and because they're a part of our community. And... Um, because I think that there's something special about them that I want to discover who they are. I want to discover why they are the way they are and why they love their kids. And I just want to know them. I want to, I want to do life with them. And they're not, they're not a project. They're just my friends. Um, and one of them, uh, she had a big surgery and I, I had to take over coaching the soccer team because of that. And she lost her father the same week, like literally she's going into surgery one day and lost her father the next day. It was just this, this horrible thing where she couldn't see him. And, um, but we heard about it and we rallied the neighborhood to provide meals for their family. And they were just deeply cared for because the, the neighborhood rallied around them. And when we saw them, I, I called her and said, hey, I know this is really weird, um, but could I just come lay, I'm a, you know, I work at a church and can I just like come lay hands on you and like pray for your surgery? And she's like, it didn't work from a schedule wise thing. I think that's what happened. But she was just like, I would love your prayer. I would deeply appreciate you praying for me. And so I prayed for her. And the next time I saw her, I gave her a big hug and I asked her about her, her mom and how, how she's doing. And I asked her about her family because I love them. And God is knitting us together into this family in our neighborhood where the flourishing and care of God's kingdom is coming to life. This is what it means to find our missional purpose. It's not that we have some big organization that we're going to start out there that's going to transform everything. But we take our lives and we ask, where is God already at work and how can I join him in it? And it looks like an easy yoke and a light burden. Long-term faithful presence where we see our identity as neighborhood priests, where we love people, they're not projects, and we do it with friends because it's more fun. We have long-term intentional presence in a place because this is your life. You guys remember that old story, that old show? This is your life with hosts. And they would like tell the story of some famous person's life and important people's voices would be on it. Like this is your actual life. You only have one. And what God wants to do is he wants to take it and he wants to fill it up with his people. He wants to fill it up with his kingdom's life and he wants to fill it up with himself. And so... Don't miss out on it because you're so worried about creating something out there. Just do what God has put you in already and see where he's already at work. And then the last one is belong first. People belong to a community before they take on the attributes of the people. 
And it's actually who we rub shoulders with is who we are becoming. And so when we invite people into our family, into our households, when they invite us into their households, the, the rubbing of the world and the kingdom of God always results in the kingdom of God advancing because the kingdom of God will not be held back from advancing. God said, I will build my church upon this rock and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we never need to be afraid of that. And Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, my set of teachings. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden that I give you is light. Does that sound like the sermons you've heard about evangelism and missions in your life? (laughs) Not me. Even the ones I've given haven't sounded like that. But this is the way of Jesus. It's an easy yoke and a light burden because it's not our work. God himself is doing the work and we are just joining in with what he's up to. And so this is, if you want to write something down or take a picture, this is the simplest formula I can give you for family on mission. You ready? Mix it up. So get out there. Rub shoulders with people who are far from God and who look different than you because magic things happen when God's kingdom engages with people. Be different, but don't be weird. So like be different in a good kind of way where like where you show up, it's good news to the world around you rather than weird news to the world around you. Okay, so be different in that like you're you care about doing what's right and you care about bringing justice and you care about everybody in the space and you care about truth, but don't like just do it to be weird. Do it because you love the people. Does that make sense? I think you know what I'm saying. Don't just think about the weirdest Christian you know. And don't be like that. There's a Dwight Schrute quote there, but we're not going to go there. All right. Lastly, love big. Love in unexpected ways that, that surprise people because surprise brings attention. Share your need with the people around you because that's how you get invited into their lives and stick around to see what God's going to do as you join in with his mission. Amen. All right. We're going to have a few minutes now where we are going to, um, we're going to pray together as a community for our persons of peace. And we're going to pray out loud. And I'd like as many of you as you can to pray a short prayer aloud for the persons of peace that God has put on your heart. So that means most of you or all of you are going to pray aloud here in a minute. So get ready. It's going to be awkward. They're not going to hear it online. So sorry, we're not going to pass the microphone around. We're just going to pray aloud. When you don't show up, you miss out. Sorry, Malia. She's at home with a sick kid. Um, but, uh, but we're, we're going to pray aloud. I'm going to invite the band to come forward, and, and they're going to they're gonna play a song out of our time of prayer. And then we're going to come forward and receive communion. Um, and we, we do communion in different ways every week, but this week we're going to come down the center aisle. We'll grab our elements and go back to our seats. And what I want to see is, as we're entering into communion, communion is a new covenant. 
That's what we say every week is this covenant is a new covenant in my blood, cut in my blood. Every time you drink of it, do so in remembrance of me. And the new covenant is our participation in bringing the kingdom of God to life and to bear in our world. And so when you come forward and receive communion, I want you to be, be cognizant that you're saying, I'm going to participate as a part of God's family in his work to see the kingdom of God come to bear. And you will grab your elements and you'll take it by yourself at your seat and we'll finish up with a song. Sound good? Lord Jesus, may we, may we become a people who spend so much time with our shepherd that we smell like him, that we are covered in his dust, that we are, that the way that we live is so indelibly tied to the way of Jesus that the world around us experiences who you are. God, give us the sort of compassion and care for the people around us that you have for us. Help us to receive the love of the Father so that we have so much to give away. Lord God, may we be the kind of people who commit to one another and live in community and create these, these beautiful little expressions of the kingdom in our homes so that others are drawn to you. Lord God, give us vision for how to take the lives that you've put us in and and participate in what you're up to. Give us ears to hear from your spirit's voice of where to enter in and where to where to step into what you're doing. And Lord God, may we remember and live in the easy yoke and the light burden of the kingdom, not burden one another with something else. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks again for listening. Make sure to subscribe to get the weekly episodes in your podcast feed. You can find out more on how to get connected with Redemption Hill at redemptionboise.org slash connection, where you can fill out the connect card and start your journey today. For regular encouragement throughout the week, follow us on Instagram at Redemption Boise. We are so glad you're here and are excited to accompany you in your story with God. We hope to see you soon.